Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I'm hoping I'm going to be joined in a moment here by Dave Nichols from the District Sports page, who is yet to call in. But we'll start without him. Nationals drop a 3-2 decision to the New York Mets tonight in City Field. Took a 2-0 lead into the seventh inning for Lucas Duda hit his 2-1 lead into the seventh inning for Lucas Duda hit his second home run of the night. Ends up doubling in the winning run. The Nationals dropped their second straight lead in the NL East, now down to one game. It all came apart for Joe Ross late in the game. Those two runs he gives up, both on home runs by Lucas Duda, who is red hot right now. He ends up doubling in the winning run there, Dave, finally. Mr. Nichols? Hey, sorry about that. Quite all right. Start in the eighth inning. Two-to-two game at that point. Matt Thornton comes on. He gives up a leadoff double by Curtis Granderson to start the inning. He gets the first out without Granderson moving up. Yoannis Suspedes comes in and gets the intentionals by Thornton to bring Lucas Duda to the plate, a lefty versus lefty matchup. Luda, Duda, two for two, two home runs at that point, 298, 353, 543 line versus left-handed pitchers in 102 plate appearances so far. It's an opposite field double, three to two Mets over Jason Worth's head to bring in the go-ahead run. I did note on Twitter as well that apparently making some people angry that Yoannis Espedes has a 183, 236, 329 line against left-handed pitchers this season. Uh, what do you think about Matt Explicacy, who plays what I have in my notes here, explaining this decision by Matt Williams to walk Yoannis Espedes uh, to get the Lucas Duda? Uh, not a favorable matchup with the way Duda's hitting left-handed pitchers so far this season. Uh, ends up killing him due to two home runs and the double there to drive in the go-ahead run in the game. Just uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you do at that point, honestly. You're going to face Duda one way or another, as a few people have mentioned, but do you walk Duda intentionally as well and load up the bases, look for the double play out of Wilmer Flores, or what do you think of Matt Williams thinking and what he should have done at that point? Well, there are certainly a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts in that whole sequence. Um you know, first of all, uh, Thornton gives up the, the hit to, to Granderson. And, and bring in Thornton. Thornton has been very reliable all season long, especially against lefties, and he doesn't get the job done there. Um, next, you've got you've got Cespedes, who um, has been susceptible to lefties this year. Um, you had Aaron Barrett warm in the pen. Um, you could have had Drew Storen warm in the pen to pitch in the eighth inning in a tie game for the second night in a row, which they declined to do. Um, either one of those would have been probably a better matchup than um, than Thornton against Duda. Um, Duda right now is the hottest player in baseball. He's hit eight home runs in the last seven days, including two tonight and one last night. Um, that's the guy you don't want to pitch to in this sequence. So you pitch to Cespedes uh, in his first game as a national leaguer um, in front of you know the home crowd. You know, whether you know the stats and let the lefty face him or you bring in a guy like Barrett who was just completely wicked last night with the slider 
Or how about your your closer that's got 29 saves already this season that you've demoted into an eighth inning role? I mean, that's this is the reason why you have Drew Storen pitching, uh, you know, in non-save situations now to be in save situations. I mean, this is you know, not quote unquote save situation, but to actually save the game. I mean, this is the period where if you're going to pitch a a, a closer quality pitcher in a non-save situation, this was it. You bring him in to face Cespedes, the right-handed hitter. Um, you know, instead of putting yet another runner on base to face the hottest hitter in baseball over the last eight days, um, it's just it's absolutely confounding that in these games where the Nationals aren't scoring a whole lot of runs and every mistake, physically and mentally, is being mag- magnified, the Nationals keep coming out on the wrong end. Matt Williams keeps making these decisions, and the Nats keep losing ball games. At some point somebody has to step up and say, Matt Williams maybe might want to rethink the way he's doing things because he his decisions are losing ballgames. He is not putting players in a position to succeed. Allowing Thornton to face Lucas Duda in that situation was not putting his pitcher in the best place to succeed. He could have done a lot of things up until that point to change the outcome of the game, but he let them go the way that they were going specifically to get that matchup, to have Duda, the hottest hitter in baseball, face a left-hander who he has crushed left-handed pitching all season long. Speaking of not putting people in a situation to succeed, we'll go back to the seventh inning start. Well, let's go back to the beginning of Joe Ross's start. Two and three in first five MLB starts, 303 ERA, 1865-226-258-285 line against, and 32 and two-thirds coming into this game facing the Mets for the second time in three starts after he gave up four hits, three earned runs, three runs, two earned runs, and six and a third against New York uh, two weeks back in Nats Park. Three and two-thirds scoreless to start today, but a 1-1 sinker to Duda ends up 10 rows back in center field, two-to-one Nats at that point. The second home run Ross is allowed in 36 and two-thirds. He goes five innings pitched on 72 pitches, 84 pitches, six Ks, 10 ground outs, and six innings pitched. They bring him back out for the seventh at 84 pitches. Lucas Duda up again. What does he do? Home run number 20, second of the game. Puts this one out to left field, left center, I should say, over into the party city deck there in uh, city field. What do you think about Matt Williams there bringing Joe Ross back out for the seventh inning at 84 pitches and letting him face Duda again after he homered for one of the only two or three hits at that point? You know, I have less of a problem with it there because Ross was his, his number number of pitches was manageable. Um, yeah. If you look at his track record in the minor leagues this year, he's been a five and six inning pitcher. So, um, you know, if we know that, if we know the stats there, you assume that the Nationals know this as well, and maybe they wanted to have, you know, if you want to have a lefty face Lucas Duda in the late innings, maybe the seventh inning is the time to do it when you know your starter has pitched you know, six innings already and he's up to 84 pitches and you want to get a matchup there, you know, maybe that's where they have Thorne. Or maybe uh, Rivera, I mean, Rivera was probably unavailable tonight because he pitched uh, over two innings last night. But, you know, that's probably where you want Thornton to face to face Duda if you're going to have a left-handed pitcher face Duda right now. Um, you know, again, these are all – calculated decisions that Matt Williams is making right now, and every single one of them seems to be burning him. Last night, allowing Rivero to start a third inning and, and, and giving up giving up the home run. 
Um, you know, it just it just it keeps going and going and going. And, and at some point, somebody is going to have to be somebody that matters. I should say is going to have to make Matt Williams and by that extension Mike Rizzo uh, accountable for how Williams is managing these games in critical situations. Once again, I got yelled at all day today for complaining about Gio Gonzalez's start, which I still will claim was not a good start for Gio Gonzalez. I don't care if you say he's a pitcher who throws a lot of pitches. He threw 105 pitches in four and two-thirds innings. But, yes, he got no support from the Nationals last night. They scored two runs in the first tonight. Jacob DeGrom on the mound, seven and two in the last 12 starts, one three seven ERA and 85 and two-thirds innings pitched over that stretch, a one four eight ERA in City Field, the NL's lowest home ERA among starters before tonight's game, 10 and six on the year, 205 ERA, 285 FIP, 191, 236, 226 line against, and 127 in the third innings pitched. Fourth time he's facing the Nats this season. He walks Jason Worth to load him up with two down in the first. Desi hits a broken back uh, single, through center, 2 nothing at that point, 31 pitch first. You have to get to him early if you're going to get to him so far this year. That's what the numbers say, 4-2-6 ERA in the first inning this season. The Nats score two there, but he shuts them down after that. He's up to 69 pitches after three innings, back out for the six at 101 pitches, gets a 16-pitch frame, 117 total, six hits, two earned runs. That's the guy who's kind of battling through a rough start and doing the best he can with what he has out there. He limits the Nats to just those two runs in the first inning and shuts them down after that. The bullpen does the same, and Nats have to be perfect again and aren't and end up losing this one three to two. Yeah, you know, uh, this was if you're going to get to DeGrom, this was the start to get to him. He wasn't particularly effective. Uh, he was overthrowing everything. Um, you know, he normally sits in 94, 95, and he was throwing – 96-97 early in the game, so for whatever reason, he was over-amped for this game, um, was overthrowing, was leaving pitches up. Uh, the Nats were able to, to get two across in the first inning, but then left him off the hook. I mean, you mentioned how uh, his pitch count was, was was very elevated tonight, 117 or whatever the heck it was. Um, this was the night to jump all over him, but right now the Nats offense just isn't firing. They, they seem to be you know, putting guys on base and not getting them in, not being able to strain up hits together, not hitting uh, very many home runs of late. Um, you know, the Nats offense, you know, frankly, is still a work in progress. I mean, with all these guys coming back off the disabled list, trying to get their timing back, you know, Jason Worth and Ryan Zimmerman and Anthony Rendon and on and on and on. I mean, the Nats have been waiting for the Cavalry to come back, and now that the Cavalry is back, it's going to take some time for them to, um, you know, to. it's either going to take some time for them to get, get their timing back or the, the accumulation of their of injury, um, especially for Worth and, and Zimmerman, over the last couple of years, um, are going to diminish their uh, rate of production, and we'll find that out as the season goes along. But it's just, it's, I, I just have to keep going back to it. As few runs as the Nats are scoring right now, every mistake they make physically and mentally is going to get magnified. And, and you know, social media was exploding tonight, um, and, and, and I think with good reason. I mean, you know, fans of this team, um, you know, for so long have not had a reason to have a critical eye um, as to how the manager is operating because for so long this team has been really crappy. In the last three or four years, um, the team is better, and now they're getting better, and they're supposed to be contenders. And these are the games where you need to analyze what's going on and determine whether or not, um, you know, whether or not the, the, the manager and the players are making the right decisions time and time again. I mean, these are, these are 
um, you know, tight division games. The, the, Mets, the Mets, Nets now have a like, one-game hold over the Mets. And this is a team that's supposed to run away with the division. Um, and, and fans are certainly entitled to take a critical eye at how this team uh, is being managed and the way the players um, continue to comport themselves on the field. Uh, Attitude-wise last night with Harper and performance-wise, and I'm talking specifically about Ian Desmond and Wilson Ramos being completely lost at the plate. Not to mention Michael A. Taylor either. Six straight Ks after his first two at-bats tonight. They keep running him out there in center field because Denard's fans still not ready, even though he took some swings apparently today at City Field before the game. But Taylor's struggling at this point. Uh, you don't really have too many options, honestly, at this point. You're going to run Clint Robinson or I don't even know what you do with the outfield, actually, if Taylor isn't playing at this point. Harper in center and run one of uh, Worth out in right. Tyler Moore, Clint Robinson out in left field at this point. I, I really don't know what you do, but Michael A. Taylor has just looked lost at the plate so far in this series. He tried to bunt his way on to avoid a K in his last at-bat today, but goes 0 for 4 with three Ks after striking out in the last three at-bats last night as well. Well, yeah, I mean, here's a guy, a, a very young player, um, you know, forced into you know, these pressure situations in a pennant race now. Um, you know, he's, a, he's going to be a low on-base percentage guy, Anyway, I mean, this is the player he is. I mean, um, you know, he's been that way his entire minor league career. He's, he's a power speed guy with a very low on base percentage. Um, and when he's not providing power, um, he's going to look lost. And, and he's got a high strikeout rate. And, um, and it's being exacerbated now because the Nats are having to depend on him. Um, and, and he's not. I mean, the, the Nats have faced a gauntlet of all-star pitchers in the last two weeks. And we're seeing the result of it. I mean, Michael Taylor, you know, could turn out to be a very good baseball player. Uh, I think he's going to be um, – I think he's going to be a tick below very good. I think he's going to be a pretty good baseball player. I think he's going to be a, a multi-year starter. But um, there are a segment of Nats, um, quote-unquote, scouts um, and fans that think that this guy is the second coming of Bryce Harper, I suppose. But – um, he's a high strikeout guy, low on base percentage, and he's struggling right now against some of the better pitchers in the National League. Uh, the problem is Jason Worth, Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, Wilson Ramos, none of those guys, none of the veterans are getting the job done right now either. Are you comfortable with what you've seen from Michael, Michael Taylor, who clearly was was not supposed to get this many at-bats uh, this year with the way the outfield was lined up going into this season before all the injuries started striking. Are you comfortable with the idea of him being the everyday center fielder next year if, in fact, an arts fan isn't coming back and the way fans uh, dealt with injuries this year and getting up there in age as a I'm a 40-year-old saying that about a 31 or 32-year-old at this point, but are you comfortable with Taylor taking over in center field next year? Well, I, I think that's the plan. Um, am I comfortable with it? I, I don't have a choice. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the Nats would have liked to have had Taylor in the minor leagues all year this year, building up another 600 at-bats. They haven't had that luxury. I mean, he's been forced into playing time. And, I mean, he's getting, you know, major league experience, which um, theoretically is very valuable. But at the same time, um, we're seeing against the better pitchers in the National League how much he's going to struggle. Uh, it, it's, you know, that's just been very apparent the last few days. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to take over. I think he's still a work in progress. But I think the player he's going to be is sort of a um, 12 to 15 home run, 15 to 20 steal guy with an on-base percentage of around 310, 320. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the high on-base. You know, Rizzo's prototypical 
center fielder leadoff guy. I think he's going to be a seven or eight hitter in a National League lineup, and you love when he hits the home run. Um, you love when he steals the base and, and is able to score on a on a bloop by your eight hitter or your pitcher. But I don't think he's going to be a top-of-the-order um, on-base guy, prototypical center fielder. Um, I just I just don't see that out of him. No, and I, I tend to agree there. The defensive metrics love him, however. So if you got a seven or eight guy who's an excellent defender in center field, that's what you got. You know, you can accept that, I suppose, and I'm sure the Nationals are looking at uh, Trey Turner and his on-base percentage and thinking that he could be the leadoff man of the future if the Nards fans no longer here after this year, and they need him at short if Ian Desmond is no longer here after this year, unless they're going to go with Danny Espinosa or another option, Yunel Escobar. I, I really don't like the idea of him at short either, so I'm thinking the Nationals are planning on t- uh, Turner continuing to make that progress and at some point next year taking over at center uh, short, so... Maybe I think he'll be the opening day shortstop with Rendon at third and Escobar at second. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that at all, but we'll see if Escobar can make that transition. And, and to be quite honest, um, he really ought to be here now, and, and Ian Desmond sitting. Mm, yeah, I, did, I don't see them sitting Ian Desmond, even though I yes, you could make an argument for that. He actually goes one for four with two RBIs tonight, drives in the only two runs the national score, but still hitting two fifteen on the year. Before we check out of here, just jump back to Joe Ross for a minute. Steven Strasburg scheduled to make his second rehab start on Monday in Syracuse. They think all goes as well there. He doesn't have any hiccups or injuries, that he should be coming back to the rotation. Watching Ross again tonight put together another solid start where Lucas Duda is pretty much the one who beat him. Uh, watching Doug Fister his last couple outings, I don't honestly think there's any possibility that they're going to keep Ross up and do something different with Fister. But would you consider it at any point? And just watching the way Fister struggled to keep his ball down, we saw a little bit of that from Ross tonight, but he's definitely been putting up better numbers and looked better on the mound than Fister has all season. Well, they're not going to do that. Um, right. You know, you know, you can look at it and say Fister's going to be uh, a free agent next year. Um, you know, why not make the switch? You know, Ross has been more productive uh, than Fister. He's obviously been more productive than Strasburg, but they're not going to bench Strasburg for, for Joe Ross at, at this point. Um, it, it's unfortunate that, that uh, unfortunate Ross has pitched so well that that it, it, it's making this um, a debatable point. Um, but they're not going to knock Fister out of the rotation, even though maybe they should. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like I said, with the caveat going into that question, but Joe Ross has certainly earned a, a spot, in the, if not this season, at least next season, with what he's done so far. And you hope he can continue that because he's looking like a good three-four starter going ahead here with the rotation the Nationals have together. So we'll see if they can spare uh, get one tomorrow. Series finale, eight o'clock on ESPN. Zimmerman versus Syndergaard. It doesn't get any easier for the offense here. Fifty-four and forty-eight. One game leading the NL East after the loss tonight. Matt Knightley, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Hopefully there will be a less ranty show tomorrow and both of our ends if the Nationals come out on top on that one. Talk to you tomorrow, sir. Sounds good. Doghouse says go Nats and subtweetings for jerks. See ya. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.